If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. Welcome to the friends. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesca, also known as Hey Friend Hey. My name is Asante. This is the friend zone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Friend Zone Podcast. This is your boy Dustin, and I'm here with a very special message, sort of an introduction to something different that we're going to do this week. Uh, recently, we were so excited to partner with Spotify. I know you guys are familiar with Spotify, uh, but we partnered with them to celebrate World Mental Health Day, and we were invited to speak to an audience of about 300 of their employees here in their New York City headquarters, which, by the way, are insanely beautiful, out-of-this-world views. We were way up in the air. Uh, but we had a great conversation just about mental health awareness in the workspace and how to manage that when you're involved in such an always-on, 24-7 office culture. Uh, and we also were so fortunate and blessed to have Dr. Joy Bradford uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, fly in bringing her clinical expertise and just her general dopeness to be a part of this conversation and add an additional layer uh, just to kind of support uh, the messaging that we really wanted to encourage uh, amongst everybody who heard this, including you, which is that it's so important to be aware of your mental health within the workspace. So you guys are in for a treat because in that partnership with Spotify, we are actually going to share this conversation with you. Uh, you can find Dr. Joy Bradford at Therapy for Black Girls on Instagram. She has a lot of cool things going on. Uh, so make sure that you keep up with her. Shout out to Spotify. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. And check us out. Spotify, Spotify, Spotify. What beautiful offices you guys have. God damn. This view? I don't even know where to begin. I would not work. I would just daydream all day working here and lose my job and still come to work as if I worked here. They told us we were coming here to talk about world mental health. I was expecting depressing, you know, hospital green walls and, you know, and then I got in here. All right, Spotify. How's everybody feeling today? All right, now, who's not feeling like that? Yeah, I wouldn't feel like that either. Working. Oh, well, look, there's somebody in the back. Okay, keep it real. You live in New York City. There's a lot of things to stress you out. That's all I'm saying. But uh, without further ado, I'm Asante, as I was previously introduced. This is Fran, Dustin, and today is Dr. Joy's birthday. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. 
And I actually, before we start, I wanted to mention that Dr. Joy Harden Bradford is a clinical psychologist based out of Atlanta, Georgia. We're very honored that she flew all the way here to meet with us, have this discussion, and share her work with you guys and offer her services, which is amazing to have you here. So we're very, very excited. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Of course. So we thought it would bring great balance because for those of you who are familiar with the podcast, you know that I generally don't give a damn what comes out of my mouth. Um, so we thought, why not add balance to that with a professional opinion? Uh, so we're so thankful and grateful to have Dr. Joy here with us today. Um, and when they first, when, not they, excuse us, first of all, thank you to Spotify for reaching out to us to participate in this celebration. Um, of World Mental Health Day is something that's critically important to everyone's success, uh, employed or not. <laughs> and the fact that Spotify is aware of that uh, is just a huge step in the right direction in ensuring a great environment for your employees. So shout out to Spotify for that. Um, and when you guys first reached out, reached out to us rather about this, I started thinking, because I've been working as an entrepreneur in the creative space for about the past to, well, about the past year almost um, exclusively, but prior to that, I was kind of pulling dual duty. I still had uh, a nine to five. I worked in experiential marketing for um, a luxury automaker, uh, and it was very, very high stress. The cars were high priced, and with a high price comes a lot of high stress. Um, and I stepped into that previously having a background in uh, labor relations. I worked with the labor unions in Michigan I was the youngest person in an environment with, with people who had been working there for about 40 or 50 years uh, and now had to kind of be led by me. And it was kind of uncomfortable for them, me being so young, coming into that space. So they were mean to me, you guys. <laughs> every damn day, I got caught every name in the book. We were working in rural Michigan, uh, building a labor union for people who were caregivers, um, child care workers as well. And we were literally going door to door, offering help and some sort of structure to these, these people. And they were slamming the doors in our face. In parts of rural Michigan, where the homes were two miles apart, we had to literally get in a car to go from one house to the next house on the street. And they were not interested in a young brown boy uh, knocking on their door, asking them about their business. And so I was on the other end of that. And it became so stressful for me that I literally had this big meeting with uh, the people that I reported to and I told them like, look, I can't do this no more. If you and your mama wanna come on and get cussed out with me every day, then fine. But I'm not, I just, I couldn't, I had reached a breaking point. And that was where I started to really be aware of the relevance of paying attention to my mental health in the workspace. Um, and so I started, I, I just felt like it was important for me to lean into my personality and start having fun at work. And once I started just ha approaching my day, literally I had the same tasks, the same responsibilities, but once I started approaching it with a goal of, I'm just gonna have a good time today. And I started cracking jokes with my coworkers, even the ones I couldn't stand, even the ones whose breath used to stink early in the morning. You know, it's always one or two of them. Um, but you know, I still, I passed the mint and we just had a camaraderie after that. <laughs> And every day, I got to know somebody a little bit better through that. It wasn't intentional. Uh, my approach was, but I didn't intend on really getting to know my coworkers. I just wanted to have a good time. And through that, I did get to know them. I had a good time at work, and it totally changed my approach moving forward to new jobs and new positions that I took on. And 
when you're from somewhere like me, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Flint, Michigan, and we're not really encouraged to pursue career opportunities that necessarily fulfill or fortify us. We just are, are encouraged to do well and try to get um, as far as we can in whatever industry we choose. And they, for, they often forget to encourage us to do something that's fun or something that feels good. So all I can tell you guys today is to make sure that you have a good time, crack jokes with each other, everybody loves to laugh, um, and just have a good time every day when you come to work. It really, really will affect your morale. And when you have uh, the kind of support that Spotify is providing, even by organizing something like this, I think it's a recipe for success. And then you get to cuss people out with a smile on your face. <laughs> so yeah. One thing I read uh, when we were having our Spotify briefing for this show was the fact that you guys do have a 24-7 office culture. So there's a lot of hangouts, emails kind of come in all day long. And I know that you're very familiar with 24-7. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but when you said 24-7, I'm thinking about this view. I mean, right. if I can move in, I just might. <laughs> but I'm curious to know, and I would love if any of you want to participate, we'll have mics. It'd be great to have some interaction with the audience. But I would love to know how you create boundaries with a 24-7 culture where I understand you want to be highly productive, but I know I worked in a 24-7 office years ago, and I'm already a perfectionist, so it was very triggering for me <laughs> because I didn't know how to say, no, this is where the job ends and my personal life begins. I would just go full throttle up until every project was completed, and then I realized I hadn't eaten in like two days. So, you know, then I started to understand the symptoms, like Dr. Joy and I discussed, of distress and realizing that sometimes you kind of blaze over them um, in honor of high productivity and really burn out by the end of the year, which is why all of us are so exhausted right now at the end, what is it, October at this point. So I am curious if anyone would like to share what are some boundaries. I don't know where the mics are. Yeah, what are some boundaries that you put into place where your work still gets done, but your personal life is still intact? So I would say... Um, What's your name, baby? Uh, oh, <laughs> hi. I'm Tiffany. <laughs> hi, Tiffany. Thank you um, for sharing. I recently joined Spotify, and I would, I would say I've come from a lot of cultures that are 24-7. And I think one of the things that stood out to me here is the encouragement of bringing family and friends to a lot of the events, so it doesn't feel like I'm making a choice between personal life is something that I found to be really encouraging. Um, I think people are present, but also comfortable with Slack being something that lives forever. So it's like, if somebody got to you now, and they're having dinner, then you get back, like, there's not that pressure. So I think Slack's been really helpful because it keeps the conversation. That's something that I use to stay online for 24-7-ish. And what is Slack? <laughs> it's a communication tool okay. uh, for collaboration. So it allows you, like I said, it just lives forever and just keeps building. So you can just pop in and pop out. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not familiar. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Anyone else wanna? Oh, there's someone on this side. So I think it comes down to two things. One is your management, and I think also being aware of your field. So if you are not a person that can take 24-7, I think be very mindful of the role that you accept or the industry, because it may come with that. And sometimes we make the conscious choice even when we know we're not that type of person. But I think that it also comes down to your management. Um, I'm in the tech part, and I've noticed at Spotify that our management kind of defends us 
in which some other companies don't. So, for example, a lot of our teams are global, but our management team is very stringent with partners to say, look, they don't work at these hours. You're in London, they're not. We're in Stockholm, they're not. And so they, they kind of drive it down. And I think in an organization, it absolutely starts at the top. Because if your management expects you to be 24-7, that's what you're going to have to do. Wow, Spotify. Okay. Yeah, that's, incredibly, <laughs> that's incredibly encouraging because you don't right. hear that in a lot of workspaces. You hear the opposite right. a lot of times. So I'm really glad to hear that Spotify has that kind of a culture. I'm about to leave the podcast and see if I can work <laughs> at Spotify. I mean, I felt like I was on an interview today, low-key. I'm like, well, I would love to partner with this company. Get a 401k, something, sheesh. Well, I asked you about 24-7 because Asante used to be in the service industry, which is high stress. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you endured? Because it was not like Spotify. Can I say when you first said it and you looked over at me, I first you wanted felt to- felt triggered. I felt triggered. But I initially, my first thought was, well, thank God. <laughs> like, I'm, I worked in customer service. It was my first job. It's anything. It's all I ever knew for a period of time. But I had to thank God that I wasn't the type to work in, like, overnight restaurants or anything like that. Because whenever I worked, I always was like, I got to go 200% when I get to work. I have to go and knock this out. I'm waiting tables. I have to get everyone fed so I can get good tips. And then you meet people that are there, miserable, so they make your life a little bit harder because they don't want to do their side work. And then you start taking that home. And for me, it was like a lot. It was too much. And I was the type to work whenever a shift was offered to me. Like, if I had plans, I'm canceling them plans to go to work and get that money. But it was like, why am I canceling things that make me happy to go somewhere that leaves me unhappy just to support myself? When I could support myself and be happy at the same time, like, these were little things I had to learn, but I wasn't learning while I was consistently working. These were the things I was learning when I was reflecting after leaving certain situations. So like I would quit working like at a call center or a restaurant or a retailer, and I would leave thinking like, okay, I was able to sustain my bills, but what else did I leave with? Like it was kind of a waste of time in that aspect. So to hear that you guys get to like work here and then y'all are happy too, I'm jealous. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that y'all are happy, but I'm jealous, okay? You should have just brought your friends and family to the restaurant like Spotify is doing. Because now that I think about it, you ain't asked me to go nowhere. Well, now that I think about it, I did have friends and family come to the restaurant, and that was one of the reasons that I oh, was yeah, happier. I, at, yeah. Exactly, and used to come while you front. To I get worked, free steak. <laughs> yeah. He was coming, I used to work at California Pizza Kitchen, and my friends used to hold it down. Like, there were days where I was like, I'm about to quit this bitch. But then they would come in, they would take up a section, and then they would take care of whoever the server was because I was hosting. So, like, that server that hated me, and I'm sitting up here thinking, like, I, I didn't want to say it, but I was like, don't tip them that much. But they would leave my server, who I hated, like, good-ass money, and they would be like, your friends are kind of cool. Then the next day, they're making my life a little easier. I'm like, a little money made you happy, but I'm not going to pay you. We're supposed to be getting money together, so we all need to be happy. And then I learned the art of people-pleasing at work, and I had to break that art when I decided to become a creative because I need to please my damn self to get shit done. So whole new set of tools, whole new bag. Well, Praise I life. worked, when I graduated from college, my first job was actually in the hospital industry, but it was a nonprofit that was working with children who were on medication, and they were working, uh, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, uh, decided to create this nonprofit where we were giving the kids very focused attention with recreational tools, like whether it was music, reading, all kinds of art, it was incredible, and we'd spend time with them after school and give them like very customized attention with the different uh, college students. And it worked. The kids were just very happy to, uh, 
think about it. Your parents are exhausted at the end of the day. A lot of kids just don't have someone that's sitting with them, asking them questions, kind of navigating their minds. So it was an incredible job, but I would spend all my money on these kids. So that was the first thing. Like, not, I didn't have boundaries. My boundaries were very watery. And spending all my time, when the kids would call me on the weekends, I didn't know how to tell them, like, hey, kid, I can only talk to you <laughs> Monday through Friday. And after 6 p.m., like, don't hit me. I didn't understand those boundaries. Um, and that, like you said, the people-pleasing programming, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I want these kids to know that I really care for them and it's not just a job title. Um, so I think once I transferred, or transitioned, rather, into being a creative, those boundaries still stayed very blurred. And I think what I would love for you to talk to us about are just those boundaries as a creative. Like, how do you do your job? And even if maybe you didn't finish everything you wanted, how do you separate that and say, okay, but I still need to maintain my sanity, maintain my boundary, and understand that I, I can't, what is the term that we used to say? Um, Self-sacrifice can't be part of your business plan. I think that that's a great question, Fran, and I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with, like what is this boundaries, because it feels like it's become a bit of a buzzword recently, right, like what are these boundaries people are talking about, and so I think when you think about boundaries, you think about, yeah, like a line around you and the things that you need to do to kind of keep yourself grounded and to keep yourself well, um, and I think, you know, some of that people-pleasing comes into the picture, and a lot of this we've learned in childhood, right, like so you didn't necessarily just pick this up yesterday, there was likely some group in your childhood that made you think um, like I have to be a certain way for people to love me or accept me. But I then hated we, that part. <laughs> we play that out in the workplace. So you already know that your to-do list is 25 things long and here comes your manager saying like, oh, can you take on this one other thing, right? And so you're wanting to be the good employee so you add this now 26 thing to your to-do list, but then you're not efficient. You know, so you're thinking, okay, I can do all of this, I can do all of this, but then are you doing any of it well? So I think sometimes with the people pleasing, you're thinking, okay, I can do everything, but it doesn't turn out well. Right. You know, and so the, the thing that you're most afraid of in terms of maybe being seen as like not as um, effective or a good employee could be the thing that's actually happening because now you're self-sabotaging in some ways because you can't possibly do all of those things well. Right. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that it starts at the management level because what used to worry me in the office was feeling guilty for having a boundary mm -hmm. and almost feeling like I couldn't do that because if the boss is going to look at you differently because you didn't take on those last two tasks and then, you know, they'll make your life living hell after that. It's not like you can just say no and then you're like, oh, everyone understands the boundary. It would literally cause problems because they just had that expectation. Especially the refrigerator. Because <laughs> when you tell them to stop eating what you leave in the refrigerator, then they get an attitude with you. Yeah, that's a boundary cross. <laughs> but I do wonder working through that guilt. I think that's one of the hardest parts. It's like uh, accepting that the boss, you know, there might be a problem on a management level and not so much on your level. Yeah, so I mean, I would hope for any managers in the room that you think about what kind of modeling you're setting for your employees in terms of like setting good boundaries for yourself and encouraging them to set good boundaries with their time and energy as well. Um, but guilt is a feeling just like anything else in that it will pass 
eventually if you allow it. But I think sometimes we're so uncomfortable with the feeling of guilt that we just want to do anything to get rid of it. And so if you allow it, like, okay, I know what this is feeling like. I just said no, and so I, now I have a increased heart rate or I'm sweating or, you know, so just allow yourself to know that that's what's happening and for it to pass. But if you kind of constantly run away from the feeling, then you don't ever teach yourself that you can get through it. And then you keep on taking on tasks so that you don't have to feel that guilt. And that's actually the perfect segue because I was curious, what are some symptoms that you know about yourself when you are over-functioning in your workspace? Like stress of symptoms, symptoms of stress. Which ones pop up for you? Like, do you think you're aware of what yours look like and how to work through them? Not always aware, but for some of the ones that I am aware of, like if I become too snappy, it's like I have either, like, I only function off maybe four or five hours of sleep. For whatever reason, I wake up and I'm ready. I would die. But there have been weeks where I would go for like two, three days, and then all I got in was a two-hour nap, and then I've snapped off on somebody, and then they're like, you need to go to bed. And I'm like, damn, you know what? I do need to go to bed. <laughs> like, but outside of that, I'm very like conscious, and sometimes my words, I don't even realize they have that behind them, but um, it's still a process. Like, I'm actually still in the acceptance stage years later that I can live free as a creative. Like, I don't have to worry about a manager calling me out of nowhere and saying, where are you at today? But I do still have places to be and things to get done. It's just that I get to do them and I don't have to blame somebody else for it. What about you, sir? Well, I go to bed at night, <laughs> unlike Asante. Um, but I, I think that there's an assumption when you work as a creative or as a, an entrepreneur, when you're self-employed, there's an assumption that you're not in a 24-7 culture but you are, it becomes like even more intensified because it's totally up to you to be working or to be sustaining yourself. And that pressure can be a bit intimidating sometimes and that's when I start losing it. I'd be nice to y'all and stuff, but like people on the train, they get it the worst. So I just have to be aware of that and I do try to set those boundaries actually for myself to make sure that I have time with my friends doing social things or make sure that I'm spending time on the phone with my family members and, and just kind of disconnecting from the routine and from the, the machine that you have to become sometimes to make sure that I'm, I'm still dusting. So I can feel it, you know what I'm saying? And when I feel that coming, I just kind of step away from whatever it is that I'm involved in and do something else for a minute. So. What about you, Fran? Actually, I will say that in my late 30s, um, I have honored boundaries a lot better. Like, I have, you guys know, I'll be like, I'm going to bed at 10 <laughs> or 11. Um, I know that if I have a big project, I'm likely not going to hang out with you guys. You know, sometimes, I think when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, it's fine, you know? But now I'm like, no, I know that I'm going to suffer and be hurting. And I know what space my mind needs to be in and what uh, steps have to be taken beforehand in order for me to like work down my optimum, uh, optimum level. So I, sleep is a big one for me. I actually have to get like nine to 10 hours of sleep. What? I know, most people think that's insane, but I go to sleep early because I know that that's what gets the best work. <laughs> Because we use our minds, you know? We're creatives that are very cerebral. So it's like, that needs to rest. And I think I didn't honor that. I would stay up till three, four in the morning and then wonder why my work wasn't the best, you know? So even eating properly, um, working out, making sure that that's in my schedule. I used to 
if I was too tired or too stressed, I'd be like, oh, I can't really work out, and I don't do that anymore. Working out is as important and integral to my day as having meals, because I see how you know, punching the punching bag gets out all that <laughs> excess energy or frustration with managers or whatever we, you know, we're working through. So um, eating, working out, uh, turning off my phone, which is a big one. I actually sleep better with the phone being off or not in my room. And I don't know if that's some radiation-ish <laughs> or what, but not to put on my tinfoil hat, um, but I really feel like when it's not in my room and I try now, I've gotten to the point where there's no electronics. I don't even have a lamp in my room. I know, I'm a bit excessive. But I don't have anything electrical that's on in my room and I swear my sleep has been out of this world. Yeah. I think we grossly underestimate the impact that sleep has on our mental health. Um, you know, so you can think about like when you've had a night where you don't sleep well, how you wake up kind of groggy, but then imagine that repeatedly and then you are talking about significant impact to your concentration, motivation, your efficiency, that irritable kind of rough around the edges sometimes that you right. feel when you know that you're not sleeping, right? And so, you know, these ideas <laughs> of like, I'll sleep when I die kind of thing. No, you'll be dead. You won't right. be sleeping. Or the hashtag yeah. team no sleep. <laughs> right, team no sleep. Listen, Get rid of that. Of I don't no subscribe sleep. to that, no. but there is something in my program and I think that that, that lives that because I, like I tell you, I try to go to sleep, but I'll wake up out of my sleep and I'll be like, damn, I only slept like four hours. I'll lay back down and back, mm, let me turn on my PlayStation. Like every, I don't know what it is, but you are right. I know it has that effect, but I just ain't ready to change yet. <laughs> but it's conditioning, right? Yeah. It's kind of, I think, for me, it just was something that I had to, f there are nights where I'll stare at the ceiling for like 20 minutes. I would I'm too if there wasn't nothing on in the room, <laughs> friend. <laughs> so still. But do you see the difference when you get good sleep? When you wake up in the morning, I promise you, I like float out of my bed. I believe you. Now that I know you get 10 hours of sleep, I know your secret. <laughs> I think the like, other thing, though, yeah. that we don't pay attention to is like a lot of times we will use rest almost as a reward, right? Like I'm going to treat myself to sleep after I finish this whole to-do list. No, go to sleep. The to-do list will still be there when you wake up. So I That's want people problem. to break that connection. <laughs> so what you're saying is Ludacris gave us a word back oh, with what? <laughs> oh, please don't say the line. <laughs> No, but I think that has had the biggest impact. Um, and it's something, like you said, people find it rewarding. And a lot of creatives also uh, push that online a lot. Of Absolutely. like, while you're sleeping, I'm grinding. Right. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, grind away because... <laughs> I'm grinding into this pillow, my right. head. Yeah, and I, have, I feel so healthy. Like, I just feel so clear. I feel like when I read words, I can actually read them and integrate the information as opposed to you ever try to read a book but you're so tired and you have to read the same page maybe like three times so you're like what did i just read i have no idea so i've just noticed as a creative it's been incredible for me but i'm wondering what are some symptoms of distress that you feel people don't speak about enough or that maybe we tend to think that it's normal mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think especially when we're thinking about like being more creative and like these 24-7 kinds of uh, opportunities, you are working so hard sometimes that you don't even pay attention to the fact that something has gone awry. Um, so changes to your sleep. So usually maybe you're somebody who does require eight or nine hours. Ten, and now, ten hours. <laughs> and now you're only getting three or four. Or you're sleeping much more than you usually do. Um, changes in your appetite, either eating more or less. Um, and sometimes we, like, like you said, like jump up at three o'clock and realize, oh, I didn't even have lunch. Um, but you're, you're actually messing up your internal cues towards hunger when you do that kind of thing. So it is really important to be paying attention to how you're fueling your body. Because you I just thought about that. Like sometimes my hunger, well, never mind. It's not for that yet. Go ahead. <laughs> He'll get back to that later. Um, yeah, and you know, in terms of your mood, so you know, you feel like you are um, maybe more down than usual, or just like everything kind of feels foggy. You know, like you're looking through glasses that look kind of hazy, and nothing ever seems really clear. Um, irritability is a big one. Um, you know, in a more severe case, there can be feelings of suicide. I mean, so when we're not paying attention then there will be signs. It just is about whether you are connecting to them and do you pay attention to what's happening. Okay, that was church. We was like, hmm, I had to reflect right quick. Dang, Joy, you make me want to go to sleep now. Like, <laughs> but not for too long. <laughs> Fall is all about getting back into a groove after a busy summer. This year, set bigger goals and feel more accomplished with the Peloton Tread add miles, and build strength, all without the commute to and from the gym. This is not just another treadmill. In fact, the New York Times says the Peloton tread is like having a personal trainer come to your house whenever you'd like, which is goals. Runner's World calls it a gorgeous, hip NYC gym in the comfort of your own home and a go-to training tool. One of the dopest things about, first of all, this is like a next-level treadmill. Um, it's an entire immersive experience. And one of the things that's the best uh, that, that really sets it apart from other treadmills is the innovative hardware like the shock absorbing slat belt and the responsive speed and incline knobs, weightless running up and at your pace or elevation without breaking your stride, okay? There's a 32-inch HD touchscreen, which I know you guys are going to love. This is really something you have to see to believe. So you can discover the immersive and challenging total body training that you can get from Peloton Tread. Peloton is offering listeners of this here podcast a limited-time offer. You can go to OnePeloton, that's P-E-L-O-T-O-N, dot com, and use the code FRIENDZONE to get $100 off of accessories with the purchase of a tread. That's O-N. E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N dot com and use the code friendzone. Another thing too I was curious about, how does someone know if they're suffering from anxiety or if it's just an anxiety induced kind of day? Sometimes I, I need to understand like what's the difference because yeah. we see that word thrown around a lot on the internet. Yeah, that's a great question, Fran. Um, so anxiety is normal for all of us, right? Like there's a, a level of anxiety that's necessary to cause you to act. Um, so when you know that project is due at midnight, like you get anxious to get you over the finish line. Um, but when you're thinking about anything that really impacts your functioning, so you're having difficulty going to work or it's causing impairment with your sleeping or your relationships. So when we're thinking about things that are more like a clinical level, you're talking about the level of impairment that it has in your life. So all of us, kind of need a little bit of anxiety, but is it stopping you from doing things? Then we're talking about something that may need you to talk to somebody about. 
And the anxiety is okay, obviously. Yeah, some anxiety is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> no, she said some anxiety is necessary, and I immediately thought about Six Flags. Is I'm not getting on them rides. That anxiety. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Which gives me anxiety because I brought them to the park, and they won't ride nothing. This is how you know they need sleep. They're at Six Flags right now. <laughs> no, but I'm curious with Spotify because now I'm fascinated by the structure here. What services are offered for you when on the days that you are feeling kind of off? Is there someone here that you can talk to? Like, I'm wondering what the mental health services, how are they structured at the offices here? If anyone wants to share. And, oh, there's someone in the back. Hi. Hi. Hey. I'm Simi. Um, some of the services that are offered here, there's like a hotline that you can call. We have a, like an oxygen room. What else? Oxygen uh, room? Yeah. Tell us more. To go in there, take in some air. We have a um, meditation room. And what else? Workouts. We have workouts daily. So these are all things that I feel like are relievers. What's the capacity in the uh, oxygen room? <laughs> I don't want nobody all sucking go? all the air. <laughs> you took up your turn with the air. Wait, so I'm curious about these workouts. Is it so you can step away from your desk and participate in one of the workouts? How does that, I'm curious. Yeah, it's basically that. The, um, the oxygen room is actually just like a, a room full of plants. So it's oh. a lot more um, oxygen, <laughs> removable oxygen there. Yeah. That's awesome. And we have like for workouts, we have yoga and Pilates, kickboxing, I think. Et so these are like classes that you guys set up uh, on a schedule predetermined, or they're just always available. Like, yeah, if you just need to go do a yoga pose because you just need to <laughs> you just go in there. Yeah, like I, so I can walk away from my desk if I check the the schedule of the exercise classes and then be like, oh, I'm doing yoga at two and just walk away. Yeah, basically. And normally wow. like the classes are around like lunchtime, 12 o'clock. So mm -hmm. that's when you have the free time to do it. Or you could do it like after work because it's always open. So Amazing. <laughs> Dr. Joy. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and you bring, when you said lunch, that made me think, make sure you're taking your lunch. Because that's <laughs> also something else that happens, right, is that we will just work through lunch, right? And then you're not ever giving yourself a break. So, I mean, because this is a 24-7, your lunch may not necessarily feel like a natural stop, but make sure that you're taking these breaks periodically because that is really important. You know, to so kind of look out at this view or, you know, walk outside or give yourself um, just a break from the monotony of what's happening at your desk. Wow. Do you guys have openings? As well? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Um. <laughs> I'm also curious, is there an um, employee assistance program where like Spotify play, pays for a couple of sessions of therapy? Very cool. So make sure you're using your benefits. So if you don't know this, um, Spotify is not necessarily getting a report about what you talk about in session. That's not how EAP works. They just know that people are using it. So definitely take advantage of those benefits because that's amazing. Yeah, and I always wonder that if that's um, therapy is not usually included in insurance, is it? Or sometimes it is. So sometimes you will have um, your insurance that pays for therapy, but some employers, like clearly Spotify, um, have an EAP program where they actually pay for sessions for their employees that don't even go towards your um, insurance, insurance benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. so that's amazing. So you can continue with the therapist and like use your benefits after the EAP sessions run out, but you don't even use your insurance until you have used those EAPs. Still have money left for glasses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do we have a question up here? How you doing? I'm Sammy. Hi. What's up, Sammy? I think one other thing is employees get access to Headspace for free. So I use that every night to go to sleep, basically. Like I play a soundscape and just go to sleep. Didn't even think about that. Can we be free now? Right. <laughs> and Headspace is awesome because I noticed, um, I don't know when they implemented that, but it's on flights now. Have you seen it? I don't know if it's like a specific carrier, but I've noticed when I'm like scrolling through those terrible movies, Headspace is an, is an option and you can do a meditation. I remember I did one once and the lady, when I opened my eyes, she was just like, <laughs> she was like, that's great. She was pressing the button like, ah. <laughs> But I'm curious, is there anything else in office culture that you feel is not usually discussed? Because I want to make sure we cover all of our bases from a a clinical perspective. Yeah, so I haven't seen your workspaces, but I don't know if Spotify is this open. Do y'all have these open? Okay. So that there is actually... Okay, now, remember we be recorded. Um, But I, I think that people... They look really cool, right? And it's a a great idea to kind of have everybody out. But you do want to think about how that impacts your mental health because I think in some ways this open kind of floor plan is the feeling of always being on. Like, and you can't necessarily see who's behind you and like what's happening. So I do think it's important to, again, step away from your spaces as much as possible. Um, People have really talked about improving or benefiting from using headphones um, so that there is at least the appearance that I'm not available. Um, And I also think it'd be interesting to just like run the numbers on efficiency because I think that open floor plan also makes you think like, oh, we can just chat. Right, like, and then is anybody really working? <laughs> you know, so true, you know, right? I think so the true. idea, the idea is that oh, we can always consult and we can always be talking with one another. But if you're somebody who um, is maybe more introverted or does require a little more private time, then you will have to be more intentional about finding those spaces for yourself, probably within the larger building. Yeah, and that was actually one of my challenges. We didn't have an open floor plan, but. The knowing whether or not you should be friends with your coworkers was always tricky because I've I've never really been that type. I'm just like I come here to work, yeah. and then I'm just like Phew, as soon as it's five o'clock. But you know, people want to have drinks and hang out, and I never knew if that was wise mm-hmm. to you know kind of integrate the workspace on your social life. Yeah, I think you really have to think about, again, your boundaries for that. Right. Um, You know, because if you have been in this open workspace all day and had this feeling of being on, to then be on after the clock really is just a lot. Um, But I do think that there is some level of kind of getting to know your coworkers that is important. But I do think it's also important for companies to make sure that they're not kind of forcing this culture of family or like we kind of have to all be together because I think in a lot of ways that does not serve employees well. Um, in what you know. ways? I'm well curious. I think you know when you think about like oh we're a family then can I really be honest with you if something's wrong with me or if I don't agree you know like you can't necessarily just go to your mom and say like hey I don't like the way you do that right so if we're operating the company as a family then does it feel safe for employees to say if something is off 
you know, so I think there's a level of kind of camaraderie and, you know, fellowship that you want to do, but I think you also need to be mindful that everybody does not want to do that and that some people want to come to work and collect a check and then go back home, um, you know, so having a mix <laughs> of that I think is really important. And being aware of, of, like, tone, right, because it ain't nothing worse than your coworkers asking you to go somewhere after work and you don't want to go, right? <laughs> then you feel obligated to, like, either say yes or no or say no the right way, so just be aware of the tone for you even extend the damn invitation. How about that? That's something I think we need to discuss today. Yeah, and the gift of being able to read a room. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm great at reading energy. Like, I'll, I'll know whether or not that's even optional just by what you're giving off. So, yeah. I'm also, is there anything else? Because I'm, like, trying to make sure we tap into <laughs> the clinical. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else, but I'm curious to hear if anybody has questions that they... Yes. Yeezys, Jordans, Off-Whites. If you're going to be buying sneakers for a few hundred dollars, how can you be sure they're the real thing? GOAT, that's how. And GOAT is the global destination for authentic sneakers, ranging from new releases to rare finds and exclusive drops. GOAT.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. They have thousands of styles, y'all, all guaranteed, all authentic, and all confirmed by GOAT. Uh, from Yeezys to Jordans to Gucci's. GOAT literally gives you access to everything that you're looking for and even the shoes that you didn't know that you had to have. New shit, y'all. They work only with trusted sellers, and before any shoe is sold, every single detail is inspected, from the stitching and the color to the size and even the weight. With over 15 million users around the world buying and selling verified shoes, keyword verified, Every day at GOAT, you'll find exactly what you want at the best price possible. Find the perfect 100% authentic sneaker at GOAT, G-O-A-T dot com slash friendzone. Plus, you'll also be supporting our show, but you've got to go right now before the sneakers you want are gone. And that's GOAT.com slash friendzone. And that's spelled G-O-A-T dot com slash friendzone. Listen, everybody knows how important phones are to culture, how important they are to your life, your personal life, your public life, your professional life, your private parts life, all of your life. You need a cell phone to make things happen, especially that. And so the idea of your phone falling and breaking is terrifying enough. With all those hardcore protective cases out there, it feels like to keep your phone safe, you have to sacrifice style, but not with a phone case from Caseify. Casetify. Casetify lets you have the best of both worlds, military-grade drop protection, and a stylish phone case that you'll actually want to show off. Now, these are not the bulky phone cases that turn your phone into an ugly brick. Casetify cases are as sleek and chic as your actual phone with thousands of designs to choose from. Casetify has done collaborations with artists and with designers, and they have collections with everyone from Sarah Jessica Parker to Pokemon to the goddamn Rolling Stones. You can even create custom cases with your favorite colors and text, so you can have your own thing going on. And they really do protect your phone. Casetify cases will keep your phone safe through drops of more than six feet. Okay, go to casetify.com slash friendzone today to get 20% off your new favorite phone case. That's casetify, C-A-S-E-T-I-F-Y dot com slash friendzone for 20% off your casetify purchase. Holla at your boy. Yes. Have answered. You have a clinical psychologist. Oh, come on. We got one right here in the front. <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Francine. Hi, Francine. 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 I um, would love to hear from Dr. Joy a little bit of like the added layer, like navigating workspaces as people of color. I think we talked into a lot of things that are like anyone can experience. I think there's an added layer, whether you're like entry level or senior level of like having that play into how you navigate or experience a workplace um, and how even within these conversations sometimes those experiences can be hard to voice. Um, so any like insight or perspective you can give to that would be great here. I really appreciate you asking that question. I, I think was that just going to say I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you did. Um, you know, because on top of the, all of the stuff that we already talked about, then you have this experience of maybe being maybe one of few people of color in the workplace. Um, and then sometimes that comes with lots of microaggressions, right? So for people who are not familiar with that, um, microaggressions are these tiny things and sometimes really big things that make you question like is was that a jab like or you know are things that happen in the workplace that just make it less safe and less comfortable for people to be in the space um so a lot of times black women will talk about um, microaggressions related to their hair right so you come into the workplace with a new style and people are like oh is she a new employee well girl you i've been sitting next to you for two years you know it's me um you know but but things like that that you just have to you have to then have this added energy and added layer of like protection to kind of protect yourself from because then you need to deal with that on top of the work. Um, so I do think that that is also something that employees need to be mindful of. Um, I think it's really important, especially for people in col of color in a workspace to make sure that your support system is really shored up either with other people who work with you or just other people who are in your field, maybe at other companies. Um, because I do think that there's something related to being able to kind of really get one another and understand like, okay, this is what it was like for me in the office and they really get it. Um, so I think your support system is really important as well as hopefully there being like an HR system that's set up to actually uh, hear and follow up on any complaints um, and take those things seriously when people say like, this does not feel like a safe or comfortable place for me. That's right. And that's why I cut my hair off. No, I'm just fine. I'm just I'm dead at that though. Them be like <laughs> not the cutting the hair off, but just people being like, Oh, you're new here. You're like, No, been here for forty years. <laughs> it's like, oh, that new hair. <laughs> and I and I think kinda of going back to the conversation of like boundaries and um, I think especially for people of color sometimes it does not always feel comfortable for like me to be talking about my family and you know people of color sometimes do want to have less um, you in my business kind of thing. I don't know what the proper word is, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, so, you know, the expectation, like oftentimes people of color will get stuff on the evaluation about being aloof or she doesn't seem interested or, you know, That's that kind so of thing. True, yeah. And it's like, did I perform or did I not? Mm. And so what is this aloofness about, right? Mm. And usually it's related to something social. It's related to a difference in culture that people don't always pick up on, but then it's determined to be a negative kind of experience. So I think that that's something else to be attentive to. All right, I see we got a question in the back. Yeah, hi, hi. Dr. Joy, hi everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, What's your name? My name is Issa. Hey Lisa. I actually lead the global diversity and inclusion work here, so it's I feel very honored to have you on stage. Thank you for your presence and your wisdom. I have a question around how people managers um, can address 
the struggles that there, some of their employees may be having with mental health or for those who may have an actual diagnosed illness, how we can help support those folks through their experiences at work um, and helping them show up and be present, but also um, f allowing them to find the time to step away if they need to. Do you have any suggestions? That's definitely a Dr. Joy question. <laughs> Yeah, so I think really making it talkable is important, right? So that it doesn't have to be like this hidden secret, though it can be personal, but that if I needed to share with you that I'm struggling with something, that it feels comfortable to do that. Um, I think looking at accommodations are really important. So like what kinds of flex schedules can you work out? Um, can people kind of take you know more time off than they have allotted to be able to take care of their mental health? Um, making mental health days a part of like the benefit package, right? And so, and I think for managers, to model that behavior. So like, hey, team, I'm not going to be here on Friday. I'm taking a mental health day. And so then if my manager does that, then it makes it feel okay for me to say like, hey, I need a mental health day too. Um, I think having programs like this, you know, you already have the EAP program, which I think is great. Um, so I think just not making it a dirty little secret and something that people can say like, hey, this is what is going on with me and this is how I think you could help. Um, I think, you know, working with their therapist to talk about accommodations could be helpful if the employee wants that to happen um, and you know making sure that you support people if there is a mental health crisis um, you know so if somebody's hospitalized then can the team rally around to like make sure they have dinner so they don't have to worry about that you know so I think thinking kind of outside of the box and to, to let people know that they're supported the same ways we would do if somebody maybe broke their leg right like how would the team respond then and thinking about doing that same kind of thing if there's a mental health crisis as well mm -hmm. I have a question, Ooh. if I can just on, hold, on, hold on to the mic. <laughs> um, I'm, curious, I'm, I'm a person who is like, you know, like high energy, I like to make the jokes, um, but I'm curious if there are days or moments in which, you know, you do have something going on in your personal life in which maybe, you know, you're in a fight with a friend or a family member is sick, and how, if there are tips on ways to kind of signal that, you know, today is not the day, for the jokes, like I'm not in a, I'm not in a serious depression, but like it's just like not really going to be the one today. Without then, you know, telling all of my business to, to like you what's happening. You just do like this. <laughs> I think it's foolproof. Like that. Just... Doctor Ross over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, and. I, the great thing is that we have our trio and we've been working together for four years now and we were friends before that and I think the beautiful thing is that we have honored each other's personalities because I'm a little quieter, more of an introvert as you can see, <laughs> more of the extrovert. They're more playful than I am but the dynamic works so well because we make room for everyone's personality. That's number one. And number two, we also are very open with each other about our challenges. So if I happen to come, because it, it's contingent on the three of us making the show work every week. So if one of us is off, the other one has to kind of pour in a little bit more so that the person doesn't feel like they have to turn on if mentally they just can't. And I think that's the beautiful dynamic that we've mastered where we'll say like, I'm just exhausted today or like something's going on with my family even if we don't go into detail, but we'll just let each other know, like, I'm just not here. I'm not fully present. So if you can kind of like pour in where I can't, 
then that's how we communicate it so that no one has to carry a load that they didn't see coming or, you know, it, it kind of keeps the show going within our friendship and as creatives. But I think it's just the honesty of it. That's really the only thing that helps. Even in our friend groups beyond just the show, it's just feeling comfortable enough to say, like, I just can't do it today. Yeah, just like you said. You know, I think you can be very honest and clear with, like, I'm just not really in a joking mood today without necessarily having to share, or you can be kind of vague in whatever the concern is, but enough to give people the message that you're not maybe your usual self that day. Yeah, kind of going back to something earlier that was said about people not wanting to feel guilty, you're, like, taking that on, like, oh, I don't want to feel guilty about making this person, you know, feel bad for something that they did, but... I'm in a bad mood, but it always comes back to honesty. You have to say when something's wrong because if you bottle that up, you're just gonna spit that back out at the tenth person that's saying what's up to you, and all they, you know, you can really shoot in the messenger for no reason. But you have to say something, whether it's to yourself or somebody else, and just be really real about the situation. And then if you feel guilty afterwards, it'll pass. Just like the attitude that you'd have or whatever that day, that'll pass too. And making faces helps too. I don't know if that's. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? Actually, that ties into the boundary conversation Making too. Making faces. A lot. Of, no. <laughs> a lot of times, if I do tell someone like I'm not feeling it today, or then I I do feel that guilt of feeling kind of needing to buffer it or coddle how they may be experiencing that boundary. And so I think the biggest lesson for me too is knowing that I have the right to tell someone that today is not the day and leave it at that and that's like a full stop, full sentence. And whatever they're experiencing from that, I have nothing to do with it. How do you say it, friend? <laughs> Let's practice. <laughs> We're not gonna so like, if I'm poking you and starting shit, right? So how then you gonna- I do this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have four minutes left, right? So I think there anyone- was a question that showed up on the screen. There oh, is, really? I have, okay. I have it. Oh, cool. I, I just remembered I was supposed to be oh, looking at this the whole time. Oh, that's so cool. Damn, Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to read it? Yeah, so as a creative, you share so much of yourself with the world. How do you decompress or handle sharing so much? It's mm, a good question. Yeah, I've actually found my work to be my cure in a lot of ways. It's so therapeutic. I love that we have a show where we discuss mental health openly because a lot of the processing I'm doing in my personal life, I'm also doing on the show, which translates into the listeners doing the processing themselves, and it becomes like an ecosystem of feelings and thoughts, you know, and, and then we discuss it online, and it's just been like the best job in the world for me. And it's not the easiest, because it's not popular. Not everyone wants to listen to feelings, you know, at 8 a.m. <laughs> on a podcast, but it always hits when it's supposed to, even if someone has to come back to it later, and I'm glad to know that we're doing the work and granting permission to others to do the same. There's also something to be said in the moment where you decide what you're going to share and how you're going to share it. You end up kind of working through your thoughts related to whatever the issue is during that process, and it helps, at least for me. Um, things that seem, I guess, insurmountable or, or just like really big challenges that I have to kind of think my way through if we're going to talk about something that's connected to it on the show, therein it helps me like process whatever is going on at that time, and I kind of work it out internally. 
I think social media breaks are also really helpful to, for decompressing, um, you know, especially since so much of your creative work may be tied to like online activity. Sometimes you just have to take a step back and pull away from that. Um, otherwise, you kind of feel, again, this always onness um, that I think it's important to really make sure, you know, you're taking care of yourself by taking breaks from social media. Yeah, yeah and I think what has helped my mental health this year is, is uh, understanding that I'm not alive to work. That shift in my brain was massive because I was a work, 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 work. And then I realized like work is actually, it's gonna sound crazy, but it's just not my priority anymore. My personal life, my mental health, my friends, my family, I'm noticing the older I'm getting, how that feels is first and foremost. And then the work is like the fun part for me at this point. And I, I, it's my birthright to sleep. <laughs> for 10 hours <laughs> it's my birthright to not do any work on the weekends and go to the park and ride the bike with my nephew because I don't want to do work and I think accepting that and making room for that has made working much better because now I can be my full self with my full mind and actually like be of service in a happy way speaking of being of service in a happy way thank you so much for allowing us to do just that with you today. Yes. Um, we've had a great conversation. It looks like it's about time for us to wrap up. Yeah. So uh, I guess thank you guys again for having us. Um, thank you so much to Dr. Dr. Joy. Dr. Joy, you're amazing. Yes, Dr. Joy, yes. and happy birthday to you. Thank you, thank you. Shout out, to, shout out to our fam at Spotify for holding us down, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and letting us pull up on you today. Thank you, Charlton, you're amazing. Yes, thank, thank you, Charlton. You. Thank you to everybody, and um, it's been a pleasure. Right. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you, Spotify. Spotify. Before we go, I just want you all to know that you have a cool-ass job. Oh, yeah. And if you hate your job, let me know before you go. <laughs> so I can see if I might be qualified. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks, Spotify. Thank you. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.